Today, I'd like to um, talk a little bit about what love has to do with low entropy or why is being a low entropy consciousness has to do with becoming love. How is it that entropy and love get connected somehow? Okay, well, you know that in this virtual reality paradigm that I talk about, uh, the larger consciousness system is the fundamental system. And we are avatars. We are played by a player that is a consciousness. I call that an a individuated unit of consciousness. And that our virtual reality is here as a learning lab. You know about that. And that it's computed by a computer that's also part of the larger consciousness system. That the larger consciousness system is an information system. Okay, even a digital information system. Now, digital information systems want or need or exist because they have information. And when an information system evolves, it means evolving toward more, better, more useful information. It's the increase in information is how an information system evolves. If it loses information, a decrease in information, then it is de-evolving. Okay, now let's talk about entropy for a moment. Entropy is a measure of disorder. So think of an information system and how that applies to disorder. Well, information is order. If you have bits and the bits are all random, then there is no information. There's no information in randomness. That's almost the basic definition of randomness. No information in randomness. So if all the bits are random, you really don't have an information system. You maybe have a potential for an information system, but there's no information there. Okay, now, as those bits become ordered and that order has meaning, that order can be symbolic, that order could be just patterns. Any order contains information. For example, here's a very simple order. Up, down, up, down, up. What's next? Well, down would be next. Why? Because there's a pattern. We, were, we could predict what would happen next based on the pattern. That's information. There's information contained in the pattern. Okay, the pattern is lower entropy than if all those bits in the pattern were random. So you see, as bits are ordered, we create information, and those ordered bits can become symbols, like a zero and a one, you see, which could then produce lots of zeros and ones, which then can do everything a computer can do, just from uh, you know, those kinds of binary bits. So this is the nature of an information system, that it evolves to lower entropy, more order. It de-evolves to higher entropy. So an information system that is conscious, such as the larger consciousness system, then has two choices. It can evolve and grow and become more, creating more information, or it can de-evolve, have less information, less significance, and eventually, if that continues, 
die, end up with no information at all. So if you were a conscious, aware information system, what would you be doing? You would be trying to lower your entropy. Now, one of the things that consciousness was able to do to create more opportunities to lower entropy was that it broke itself into pieces so that it could interact with free will with those pieces. Ladies and gentlemen, I know, I know, I know Thomas Campbell, who is a former theoretical physicist, can be a little heady. I know. But I had to, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring him back after I come forward, because I want you to hear another piece of what he's saying. Entropy is chaos. Entropy is the second law of thermodynamics. The longer thermodynamic systems go on, the more they begin to break down into chaos. But now he's talking about consciousness, right? And he's saying, in your life, oof. <laughs> what is the producer of spiritual entropy, of relational entropy? See, because I'm getting sick and tired of hearing people front behind some words. I'm going to tell you right now, the word love is one of the most bastardized terms in, in all of relationships. Is love, tonight's topic, a figment of our imagination? How real or rare is true love? And what I'm positing tonight is that many of us have a lot of entropy, i.e. trauma. I believe unresolved trauma is an information system and patterns, as he was explaining, that cause us to relive this, what I would say, this... Uh, degenerative state in relationships in my shrouded lighthouse book i call it spiritual entropy right you've inherited generational tasks you don't like the word task or if you've never used the word task or curriculum you say it's a generational curse and you've been running from the curse as opposed to decoding the curse and this is why many of our relationships wind up frustrating and disappointing is true love more about how you feel or what you think and the decisions you make thomas campbell was the voice you heard at the beginning of the show he wrote a powerful book that i should suggest everybody go read it's actually in three separate parts the book is called my big toe now toe is an acronym for theory of everything my Big Theory of Everything, My Big Toe, a trilogy unifying philosophy, physics, and metaphysics, awakening, discovery, and inner workings, Thomas Campbell. Now, I, I know we're starting off a little deep tonight, but this is why I want y'all to understand. Love ain't no damn verb. And love is not about tomorrow and what you do or don't do tomorrow. See, a lot of relationships are hinging on what pops off tomorrow <laughs> or what does not pop off tomorrow. Do you understand? So I'm trying to do this show, right, to, to get you in the mind. How real or rare is true love? And just because somebody buy you some red roses and some chocolates, does that mean they love you? Huh? 
1-800-920-1580. When I come forward, I want to talk to everybody. I want to get everybody involved. This is an open conversation. I want y'all to chime in. We're going to be on fire tonight. Reasons. The reasons that we're here, the reasons that we fear, our feelings won't disappear. Disappear. You're listening to the Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams on KBLA Talk 1580. Play this record. (laughs) Wow. Is love a figment of our imagination? How real or rare is true love? That's tonight's topic. 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines right now. Is true love more about how you feel or what you think and the decisions you make? Could love be classified as a mental illness? Wow. Some people really believe that. There's a book called Love Sick, Love as a Mental Illness by Frank uh, Talis. And he writes... That if we take the symptoms of falling in love and check them against accepted diagnostic criteria for mental illness, we find that most lovers qualify for diagnosis of obsessional illness, depression, or manic depression. Other symptoms include insomnia, hyperactivity, and loss of appetite. Ah! (laughs) Ain't love grand. Northwestern University uh, psychologist Eli or Eli Finkel uh, describes how falling in love can make otherwise normal people do very wild things. They'll stalk, hack into your email, eavesdrop, and do other things they'd never do in a rational frame of mind. Helen Fisher, an evolutionary anthropologist, explains that the elevated dopamine levels experienced during the rush of falling in love can drive us to take risks that may otherwise seem unthinkable. So love really does conquer all and not always in a good way. So let me just say, you got the psychologist on one side that says, hey, love is a brain like a brain chemical reaction, hormones, dopamine, oxytocin, all types of things are happening. So is this about, I have to ask these kinds of questions. Is the brain the Frank Lucas of love? The Nikki Barnes of love? Is the brain pimping our relationships with euphoria creating and addictive and addicting hormones. Does the brain do this? Apparently so. Is our brain love's temporary hormone pusher? Agree or disagree? Does unresolved trauma lead to spiritual and relational entropy? The longer a thermodynamic system moves on, the more it begins to break down into chaos. And the reason why this makes sense to me. Because at the highest level of love, which is pure consciousness, there's freedom. But you can't really love if you're not free from the hold of generational curses or wounds that have yet to be reconciled. If you haven't done any personal internal work to reconcile the wounds or your experiences, whatever you've been through, then you're not free. And if you're not free, you can't truly experience unconditional love. Could this be the reason for why unconditional love is so elusive for so many? Is this why love can get old? 
Boy, love is like a 90-year-old man's erection. <laughs> How long you think he going? <laughs> you got a 50. I'm, how old am I? I'm, I'm, you got a good 35 seconds. <laughs> and then we're seven minutes. Right? Can you be in a happy, healthy relationship without love? I'm, I believe many people are, are living in that space. Because I believe love is rarefied air. I don't think every marriage, every relationship encounters it. 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines. I want to talk to folk. Jeez. Is authentic love more about what you do than what you say? See, because we, listen, love is like meditating. Some people who meditate can transcend their body and fly to another galaxy. Most people won't do that. <laughs> do you understand? Love is like that, right? Some people who meditate can levitate. Most people won't do that. Right? What, what are you talking about, Zoe? Some people who meditate, I want you guys to look up something called the rainbow death. Rainbow death. Certain Tibetan monks are believed to be able to enter into a meditative state to where their entire body disintegrates into a flash of light. I got some videos on this. This is crazy, right? But some people, most people ain't gonna meditate at that level. And I believe most people won't reach the highest level of consciousness, which is love, which is one with God. I, I just don't believe most people can get there. So I believe most relationships are existing in a space where we're, we're good so long as we do what we say we're going to do by each other. And we're, we're just going to cope with each other. We're just going to deal with each other. I want to know. True or false? You must be free from your internal work slash shadow, trauma, spiritual entropy, fear, and ego in order to love freely. If you're not free from any of that, you're not going to be free in the relationship. You're not going to be free to experience that which is unconditional, that which is supernatural. We got callers on the line. And I really want to talk to folks about that. What, what is your definition of love? Is it real? Is it attainable? And more importantly, is it sustainable? 1-800-920-1580. Tiffany, Atlanta, get in here. Oh, my God. Since you just insisted. Hello, Zoe. I'm sorry, but I need somebody <laughs> to talk about this. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about it. Now, one of the things that you mentioned is uh, the science behind how people who say they're in love mimic things that are more so like along the lines of like not insanity, but no, they're saying depression. this is what happens. You know, Hi <laughs> hyperactivity, uh, insomnia, right. depression, mm -hmm. manic depression. Like this is what's happening in your brain. But could we really call that love? Like, yeah, somebody could actually say, like, yeah, I'm in love. I'm in love. He just he makes me feel this way, girl. I can't eat. I can't sleep. Like, baby girl, that that might not be love. You might want to get some help. Now, we have to also remember that the brain also sends signals through the body. We also know what they're like, our uh, intuition. It sends these signals to the body where it's like, 
you get nervous. Say, for instance, like you got stage fright or something like that, and it's just like you get that butterfly feeling in the pit of your stomach, and you just like, whoo. And then as you're talking through it and stuff like that, like it kind of sorts itself out. It does the exact same thing when you see somebody that you are absolutely infatuated with, that you're in love with, and you get that butterfly feeling. Now, a lot of people also go to the thing of saying like, oh, well, your intuition give you that butterfly feeling, and you know what that means. Like, that person might not be good for you, or your brain is just doing its brainly functions. It, and I, I really don't feel like it's a situation where love can even be remotely considered to anything that's mental. Like, on the mental spectrum of, like, depression and insomnia and all that stuff, like, that's, no, that's not love. But I'm, what I'm saying, we also speak, all of mm-hmm. this is documented, you know, empirically yeah. researched stuff that's saying right. when a person is in love, this mm-hmm. is what has been observed by psychologists, by anthropologists. There's there's certain areas in your brain that light up when you're in love mm-hmm. that show these types of responses because of the the hormone cocktail you get from attraction, attachment, uh-huh. right? Right. So this is what the psychologists are saying. And you saying right. that's a lie. That ain't love. No, I'm not saying it's a lie. And I, I, I did say that I respect science. But come on, the brain is own brain. Like, let's think about how the brain operates. The brain will kill you before it allows itself to die. It will have you in straight up pain just to save itself. So to to that extent, it's just like, yeah, I I get it. I get what they're saying, but I can't really just, I ain't jacking it. Like, I, I can't really just say, Because what if that person, like, what if they do, like, a study where it's, like, a placebo situation where there's a certain group that will say they're in love and then mimic the same symptoms? So it's like... Wait. Do we... Like, the reason why... Mimic the same symptoms? Yeah, like, you know that you can force your body to mimic symptoms. Like, your brain is just that powerful. Like, I'm pretty sure people know this, that... Your brain will conjure. Let's think about like the people who have ideations or fandoms, like or what they call um, fanatics. Mm-hmm. Where you remember all that stuff that Chris Brown was going through, where that girl just kept breaking into his house oh, yeah. because she just knew they were going to be together. Like she just knew that they were a thing. <laughs> That's, That's love. The brain. That's love, though. You oh, see what I'm saying? The girl, the girl was oh, in love. love. Oh, that was that's love. <laughs> listen, it might. Oh, okay. Listen, my daughter is in love with Chris Brown. Now, oh. as oh. as my daughter was growing up, I'm finna put her out here. The child would have a birthday party for Chris Brown at the crib by herself. Oh no! And she would decorate the crib. Balloons, cake, happy birthday banners. When we come forward, I'm going to be talking to (laughs) Tiffany some more. Lord have mercy. We on fire tonight.
He's on fire tonight. It's the voice of reason with Zoe Williams exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. Turn it off. This is all a, 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 a trick of the brain. Now, what I want y'all to do is listen. <laughs> Z feel all good. You you done got emotional endorphins and all types of oxytocin. You say, where my girl at? Lord have mercy. That record is beautiful. Use your heart and not your mind. Get out your head. This is what my woman tells me. Get out your head so much. You're always in your head. It's like the attic of your spirit. Come down into your heart, boy, so you can really connect. <sighs> I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a struggle for men, I guess, to really, really love. I need Joseph, Cam- uh, not Joseph Campbell, Thomas Campbell, to give me a little bit more, and then I'm going to go back to Tiffany. Bits. So this is the nature of an information system, that it evolves to lower entropy, more order. It de-evolves to higher entropy. So an information system that is conscious, such as the larger consciousness system, then has two choices. It can evolve and grow and become more, creating more information, or it can de-evolve, have less information, less significance, and eventually, if that continues, die, end up with no information at all. So if you were a conscious, aware information system, what would you be doing? You would be trying to lower your entropy. Now, one of the things that consciousness was able to do to create more opportunities to lower entropy was that it broke itself into pieces so that it could interact with free will so with wait, those pieces. Hold on, hold on. So, so, all, so he, he, he deep, but he's a physicist. So he says consciousness broke itself into pieces. What he's saying is we all have a piece of that consciousness in us which he made reference to earlier in the video when he called us individuated units of consciousness. So what he's saying is consciousness, i.e. God, because, you know, physicists don't like to say God just outright. They just not going to outright say God, even though the universe is showing them consciousness is showing them, hey, this is way bigger than your little puny monkey-related mind can even fathom, so they know it's God, but they don't say that. Individuated units of consciousness broke itself into pieces so it could interact with itself. Continue the video, please. Some could interact as well with all the pieces. Now, this created a lot of new possibilities, possibilities of interaction with other free will uh, units Who knows what they're going to do, right? They have free will. How they might interact, how they may connect with each other, what they might do is unknown. That creates a lot more potential for growth, a a bigger potential for order, you see? So this is a strategy to help the system evolve by lowering its entropy, give it more opportunity, more places that it can organize, more degrees of freedom with which it can organize. Now, of course, in biology, we did the same thing. You see, things become more survivable as they become more flexible, and they become more flexible as they become more complex. Okay, so stop. So I I see what he's saying here, but to apply it to relationships, 
because that's really what he's applying it to. He's just hella lofty in the way he's framing it. So let me bring it down a taste. What he's basically saying is God consciousness broke itself into small pieces so it could interact with itself. But in order to grow and evolve, which also presents a problem because God is infinite, how could it evolve? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Or I wouldn't use evolve. That's the scientist's word. So it could evolve. And I would use expand into areas of itself that as an individuated unit of consciousness, it had not remembered. So you don't know that that's you. And then you begin to expand spiritually. And then you start to see you can't recognize something you're not. Then you start to recognize areas of your being that you had forgotten. Remember, they said now. So many, so many metaphysicians say this. You chose your people. You chose your parents. You chose your experiences. You chose all of that stuff before you got here. So when he's saying so it can evolve, I think what he's trying to say so that it can remember. Listen, not God remember, but you remember what you were before you became this identity. Okay, put it back on, and then I'm going to go back to Tiffany, because this is cooking right now. So when those single-celled critters became multi-celled critters, they lowered their entropy. They were now more complex as multi-celled things, more order, more structure, you see? So actually, evolution in biology is also based on entropy. The lower the entropy, and entropy, of course, is defined within a system, the lower the entropy, the more you evolve. The more complexity you have, the more capability you have, the more flexibility you have, the more you can do, the more you can understand, the more choices, the more degrees of freedom you have. So stop. So Degrees of freedom in, in, in physics, especially when you're dealing with string theory, degrees of freedom uh, is in reference to uh, these fundamental uh, strings at, at the fundamental level of reality. They call them strings. They, 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 they're not technically strings, but they're, they call them strings, string theory. And they've been working on string theory for over 30 years, and, and nothing has really come out of it. But in string theory, when they say uh, imagine them as rubber bands, kind of folding on to each other. Each fold of the rubber band of these fundamental particles, they call a degree of freedom. So you've heard certain people say, hey, hold on, there's 12, 13, 25 different dimensions. Well, that's based on the degree of freedom that they have discovered from string theory. They're saying string theory is suggesting that there are currently 22 different dimensions. Okay, I'm sorry. I, because he gets all weird and I want to break down. Little rubber bands folded onto each other is a degree of freedom. Each fold is a degree. I'm sorry, go ahead. Your consciousness system did this and it created all of these individuated units of consciousness, all with free will that interacted with each other. What they created was a social system. A social system is a bunch of free-willed units of consciousness that interact with each other. Now, in this interaction, there were ways that this interaction could take place that lowered entropy and ways that could take place 
there is entropy. There were two different paths here that you could go on. As it turns out, the path that lowers entropy is a path where these entities cooperate, care about each other, and focus on how they can be of service rather than what can they get. Okay, stop. Because right now, he's about to finally get to some regular English. See, this is why... See, we had to roll with him, and I had to translate. I had to be the King James for, the, for all the degrees of entropy. But what's cold right here now, he's about to slip into regular talk, you see. And, and this is important that we get this, because what I'm trying to explain to people about relationship entropy Relationship entropy is the same as unhealed trauma. If it's not dealt with, the relationship devolves into chaos. That's what he's talking about. So he's saying in order to love, there must be freedom. But you got to be free from that. If you can't be free from that, all you can do is imagine what you think love is. And then love becomes this cocktail of feelings based on attraction. And it's hard to maintain that erection because that get old after a while. Ooh, Lord have mercy. When we come forward, I'm going back to the phone lines and Thomas Campbell, he's in here cooking tonight. Is it good to you? Good to you? More Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams when we come forward. Come forward. The voice of reason. Yeah. Hey. I know this is not the orthodox kind of relationship lesson you've been given. But I'm here to tell you, man, love is a higher level of consciousness. It's not a system of action. Do you know I can act right and still be wrong internally? Love is not a verb. There is a consciousness level. And you need it in both people, and both people must recognize it. It's difficult for people to do that when they're looking through the filter of unresolved issues. one 800 Tiffany from Atlanta. Get in here. Wrap it up. Wrap your thought around it. Listen. All right. So... What is the clip that you've been playing? What's the guy's name? His name is Thomas Campbell. He is mm-hmm. a theoretical physicist who turned mm-hmm. into a metaphysicist. He's a spiritualist mm-hmm. now. He wrote mm-hmm. the book, My Big Toe, a trilogy unifying philosophy, physics, and metaphysics, awakening, discovery, inner workings. My Big Toe by Thomas Campbell. Okay, I wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way because you're right. He cooking, right? <clears throat> yeah, he cooking. Now. However, he really cooking. Yeah, yeah. However, we all know that centered around love and its purity is of God, hands down. But somewhere along the line, something went terribly wrong, and humans just started to really, I don't know if it was purposely done or what, I don't know if it was because the masses were led astray, but away from the consciousness, there became this 
ordeal where people believe that another being is their possession. And so when people love, they they have this attachment. And this is some banal. They have this attachment where they feel like this person is obligated to them. Mm. Now, I use that word more so freely, but I don't look at that as love. I, I look at that as some other form of infatuation, but to go and say that it's love, like, I don't know. And well, no, even no, with you're, 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 you're cooking right now, and you're, you're on the precipice of something. Right. No, so even you, no, but it, listen, I have to I have to stop you just for one second because you're right there onto something. You're right. That is not love. Only envy wants. Right? Right? On, mm-hmm. Not not envy, excuse me. I meant to say emptiness. Only emptiness, emptiness wants to possess. Where there right. is wholeness and fullness, there is no desire to acquire. Mm. Do you do you see? Don DeMarco, yeah. Yeah, hold mm. That's but that's what it is. Where there is fullness, there is no desire to acquire. Where there is emptiness, you belong to me. You're mine. Get over mm. here. Does that make sense? Now, oh, yeah, it makes sense, though. But real quick, and I'm going to wrap up my call because we got other people that we talk to. But real quick, and I also want to say as far as unconditional love, I even believe that somewhere out there, there are even parents who do not experience unconditional love, even for their children. Absolutely. And I was struck. I was struggling with that because I was like, you know what? A parent's love is a love unknown. And, you know, I'm not a parent and I, I, I can't express birthing another human being or whatever. And then, you know, having to bond with it and stuff. But I do feel like, you know, just from what I've gone through and some things that my mom has shared with me, that there are conditions to love because a lot of us in our human form are just that we haven't risen to our like just straight up like consciousness, like how you were speaking earlier Wait, about the monks and stuff. Like, so again, you're saying it again. You're there at the precipice. Can I help you? What you're saying yeah. is most people have conditional, impersonal love. It's about mm-hmm. it's about me. It's about what I want, even if it's my kids, mm-hmm. even if it's my husband, my mm-hmm. significant mm-hmm. other, my wife. It's impersonal, and it's about me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Girl, I gotta I, get up out of here, though. We love you for calling <laughs> in. Thank you, man. Atlanta, Georgia is in the building because of you. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you gotta do is call us at one eight hundred nine twenty fifteen eighty. Listen. Are, are we taking a break or do I keep going? Oh, good. I can keep going. Let's get Sean in here. Sean from Oakland, California. Get in here. Speak on it. Hey, brother. So the word love. So now you, I'm just going to go straight to the cut to the chase. You know, that when when you're talking about young people, right, you cannot and, and don't discount the way they feel. And I'm not saying you do or anyone else. Don't discount the way a young person feels you know, towards someone else, because, you know, that, that word is the, you know, the,
the benchmark for what we call, you know, being really, you know, liking someone a lot, a lot, a lot. We really like that person. So remember, though, you know, when we're talking about higher consciousness, um, just so you know, young people, you know, uh, I get you because I've been there is that, you know, the higher consciousness, in my opinion, is, you know, it's a process. So remember that, right? You you guys might have this short term, two months, three months, four months, five months. That's just a blip on the screen. You're, you, you have to develop that love. That's what will, really will you define that word love. Don't don't think about any whether anybody else's definition of that word. You define that love and you take it to its highest power. Sean, thank you, brother. You said love is develop it. You got to develop it like you churning butter. Thank you, Sean. Oakland, California is in the building because of you. Listen, get to your phone lines if you want to join this most powerful discussion. I've still got a lot to talk about. The number to dial is 1580 Santa Monica. The Voice of Reason is live on KBLA Talk 1580. And of course, my playlist is my co host. This is the morning after, the morning after, Maze and Frankie Beverly. Listen, relationships bring a lot of consternation into our lives, a lot of difficulty, a lot of frustration. And most of that frustration and difficulty that relationship mirrors to us is stuff we haven't dealt with. And I wanted to introduce you guys to Thomas Campbell and his work. Thomas Campbell, My Big Toe is the book that he wrote. Toe is an acronym for theory of everything. It used to be called G-U-T, right? And now it has evolved from G-U-T into T-O-E. G-U-T was Grand Unified Theory, right? But now it's called Theory of Everything, Toe. So he wrote a book called My Big Toe, a trilogy unifying philosophy, physics, and metaphysics, awakening, discovery, inner workings. There are three separate ginormous books. This is a former physicist, who turned metaphysicist, spiritualist. And he uh, did something that I thought was quite unique. He was talking about how difficulty in our lives and our relationships is a type of entropy, which is the second law of thermodynamics. 
The second law of thermodynamics states that any thermodynamic system that continues to go on will break down into entropy. Now, the state of entropy, for lack of a better word, is a state of chaos, right? This is where you can no longer access energy that was there, just like in relationships. How come you don't do what you used to do? And even when you do what you used to do, it doesn't feel the same as when you used to do it. There is a, the energy is still there. You just have lost access to it. That's what relational entropy is. We've been talking about rekindling the spark for many, many years. But the spark, the energy of the spark is not gone. You've just lost access to it. Let's get to it. Reggie, Austin, Texas. Says, get in here and let's talk. Man, um, I haven't heard of Thomas Campbell before tonight, um, but there was a part of his theory that, that really made sense to me. Um, he said that as, as the particles became more flexible, they became more pliable. And that makes sense as far as love is concerned to me. Um, because if you try to control love and become real, real constrictive with it, you'll never be able to, to um, become pliable. And pliable is like you never, you never be able to, to become positioned the way you want to be. Right. Um, and so that, that part of it, is, is, it just made a, a whole lot of sense to me. And then you talk about the second law where everything goes toward entropy, toward chaos. Man, we can't control anything. We can't control the entire element of love. We can control certain parts to it, but, and but, if you try to get if if you, if you try to get a bunch of control in it, mm-hmm. then you're just gonna have you you might as well just bang your head against the wall because it's never ever gonna work. Well, you let, can't. Let's play a little tennis ahead. here. Let's play a little tennis. Here. Yeah. So for <clears throat> many people, love is about doing. Right. This is mm-hmm. why they say love is a verb. And this is why we, I'm telling you right now, we live in such an insane society that now we're producing statements and we don't realize that our words are spells and creates realities for us. We are now saying love isn't enough. That's because it is difficult to reach the Mount Pinatubo of your personal mountain. The, the, the spiritual Mount Pinatubo inside of you is so difficult to reach that Everest, right? So you just say, mm-hmm. all right, never mind. I won't go inside. I won't do the work. I'll just create these inflexible expectations for you to do what I think will make me happy. And then you get it for a little while because that's how the universe works. And after you've gotten it for a little while, then what happens? Right. You monotony sets in, you know, you get used to it. And now it's not special anymore. And now it doesn't feel like it used to feel. And now you're looking for some other stimulus, some other bump. Does that make sense? It it does it does it, but if if we play tennis here let me volley back yes because if 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 love is about the action I mean if love is about the words and the actions there are there are a lot of actions that I've that I've seen and a lot of words that I've heard by people that weren't love so love isn't the action love is the essence come on it's the essence yes. from which everything comes yes you see what I'm saying yes and so if 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 you yield toward the action you get fooled every time. Because you're, I mean, you, you you're looking at it through your feelings. Love is past your feelings. Love goes into into the fact. It, it goes into the essence. What's what's the motive behind what you're doing? 
And if you've never experienced true love, I doubt that you've ever experienced someone doing something for you just out of the kindness of their heart, don't want anything from you, just saw that you needed something, they had it, and they gave it to you. That starts something in you. And if we going back to thermodynamics, okay, uh, for every action, there's an opposite reaction. So if, if somebody gave something to you out of the kindness of their heart, they didn't ask anything from you, then what are you going to do with it? That softens your heart, and that allows you to be fully human because you're showing empathy to everyone else, or at least to someone else because somebody showed it to you. Mm. That's, that, that's that's part of the thing. You see what I'm saying? And I mean, I don't have all the answers, man, but I know what I've experienced in this world. Right. And and, and people have, have, have given things to me just because I needed them and they had it. Wow. Brother. I, I, man, I can't I can't I can't quantify that. That that makes I mean, that just made me want to do everything I could to help somebody else because somebody did that to me. And hopefully they'll do it to someone else, and it keeps going on and on and on. So let me ask, and that's you. because of one one act of kindness, bro. So one. Let, me, let me ask you this: based on what you mm-hmm. just said, who was it that came up with the notion that love is give and take, and is that true? I think someone who came up with that notion is somebody that wanted to sell you something. <laughs> they wanted what you had. That's what I think, man. Honestly, because that's the only way. That, like, if okay, she she won't love you if you don't give you these flowers. And the same, you know, twenty dollars flowers are now sixty dollars because I want something from you. It's 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 all it's all a game, bro. And man, we can't play this game. We have to be flexible and make our own game. Hey, brother. And if we don't do that, we never gonna get out of this 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 monotonous thing. Hey, Reggie is out here. Killing. Reggie, slap us upside the dome piece on our way home from Jones Beach. You brought Austin, Texas in the building, man. I appreciate the insight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Always, brother. Yee. Without recognition of, of the formless within yourself. I, I need you to hear that. Without recognition of the formless within yourself, there can be no true transcendental love. If you cannot recognize the formless in yourself, this goes back to uh, Thomas Campbell talking about individuated units of consciousness, how the source of everything put a piece of it in us and we carry that with us. That's recognizing the formless. Without recognition of the formless within yourself, right? there can be no transcendental love. If you cannot recognize the formless in yourself, you cannot recognize yourself in the other. The recognition of the other as yourself in essence, not the form, is true love. That's Eckhart Tolle. I think it's a lie for people to say love is give and take. Because now that's a barter system. That's trade. Right? So where there is trade, listen, uh, listen, you may not agree. Where there is trade, there is evaluation. The evaluation of, of quality. Is this as qualitative as what I did for you? Is this as valuable as what I did for you? And the comparison breeds envy, breeds jealousy. Here we go. 1-800-920-1580 phone lines are just 
bananas right now. We got to get some folk in here. Let's talk. Let's talk. Bowman, Grand Prairie, Texas. Get in here. How you feeling, Zoe? What's happening, man? Great topic. Um, I want to say I believe that humans can express unconditional love extrapersonally in glimpses and for the most part intrapersonally. However, because we are human and live life as a finite being, we do not maintain unconditional love on an interpersonal level. So, in other words, the people who we interact with, right, they can show outside of ourselves, they can show us glimpses of love that that we're learning from them. Like from being a child, you see somebody wait, who's wait, nice, wait, give wait, you candy. Bowman, you, you know I got to push back. Yeah. You already know that I got to push back. So when you say okay. they can show us, are you saying they can reflect to us? Yes, or, what or, a healthy love or, looks like in in a in a godlike state, I should say. So a health a, a healthy person who who wants to show you and be nice to you and you know things like that. The extra personal. So is love somebody being nice to you? No, not necessarily. What I'm what I'm saying is, um, I'm just trying to follow. Uh, no, no, no. Because extra personally, people can show us glimpses of what unconditional love can look like. It's the extra personal, and I believe it's the intrapersonal. But the interpersonal relationship, when we get get in, start to look inside other people's lives and the people but that's, we interact. But that's what the quote I just read just said. If you cannot recognize the formless in yourself, you cannot recognize yourself in the other. The recognition of the other as yourself, in essence, not form, is true love. And I believe that comes back to self-love. And if there's no self-acceptance, no self-approval, no self-esteem, no self-worth, if there's guilt, shame, and all of these things just festering, that's what's creating relationship entropy. And you can only see that. That's the only reflection that's coming back. You're not going to get a glimpse of unconditional love from somebody else because you don't have it in yourself. It has to be learned. It, it, and it takes time, too. Because no, no, no. There could be it, it, it doesn't have to be learned. The previous caller, Reggie, hit us with it. It has to be developed. No, Sean hit us with it. It has to be developed from within. What are your thoughts on that? That's true, but there has to be a certain type of consciousness that, that comes with that. And it does take time. Well, it's all consciousness, sir. It's all consciousness. Right. Yes. But the consciousness but has to has... come from within. True. So we say, but for instance, I mean, it, it it may be it may be a frog, right? This might sound dumb or not, but I recognize that I am I can overpower this frog and how hateful I could be by destroying the frog. But if I don't destroy it and I recognize that this frog, I'm, I have to stop myself and say, wait a minute, I can't kill this thing because I'm greater than it. Even though I recognize that I could destroy the fraud, I That's, know it sounds retarded. No, it doesn't. It's actually an example. There, there's something it's, within It's an me example. Stopping. Wait, hold on, Bowman. When I when I speak louder, that means bring it down just a taste because I'm trying to enter 
interject something because you're on to something. So when I when I interrupt, don't just keep talking. Okay, you do that a lot. I don't okay. like it. I don't like it one bit. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> My no, bad. Go ahead. No, but you hit on to something that's big. You the example you said the, the the frog example was silly, but it's not silly. It's actually compassion. You're giving an example of I'm bigger than the frog. I could kill the frog, but I have compassion for the frog. Right. Right. Yeah, that's good. Continue, brother. Continue talking. So what I'm saying is, even though there's, I, I, I think we can have glimpses of it because we are finite. So because we are finite, we recognize that there's conditions in order for us to live or for us to die. So we're in, and we're in specific environments that call for whatever it is we need to do in order to sustain life. But we still have these, we possess these things. I, I call it God conscious. But that's just me. Same, yeah. We possess I'm with you. Yeah, to, I'm with you. You know. And so I don't know. I no, just see it as more of an inter, extra, and a intrapersonal thing. Listen, Bowman. Listen, out of all the phone calls you have ever made to this show, I have never been in more agreement than I am right now with you, brother. Because you cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, we appreciate you. You brought Grand Prairie, Texas in the building. Listen, when I come forward, wetlands of Atlanta, New York City, New York, New York City. So nice they had to name it twice. Phone lines on fire. The voice of reason is asking, is love dead? How real or rare is true love when we come forward? Believe me, we got a lot to talk about. Reasons. The reasons that we're here, the reasons that we fear, our feelings won't disappear. Disappear. You're listening to the voice of reason with Zoe Williams on KBLA Talk 1580. Cameo was on fire back in the day. Boy. Attack me with your love. Great record, Cameo. And as you know, my playlist is my co-host, and we have fun with it, man. Even though this is a really deep topic, we have fun with it, man. Uh, I love broaching these topics and really pushing buttons to see how far we can uh, expand our perspective. And that's the whole point of these discussions. No one is coming from the positionality of being right, it's not about right. It's about alignment. It's about expansion of consciousness. Love is more than just a set of rules, a set of behaviors, a set of ideas. Love is more than that. So let's go deeper. Nazarene, wetlands of Atlanta. What happened to our last one? Get him in here. Nazarene, come on. Hey, bro. What up, huh? Man, what's happening, well, brother? What do you think of tonight's topic? Man, I'm, I'm thinking it got me thinking, huh? I just, I don't know. I just want to ask this question real quick. <laughs> what are you thinking about? What happened, brother? <laughs> Look, man, all right, because it's unconditional love, right? Right. That's the name of the game. Right. And it's like, I have a question. Do you, not necessarily personally, but just posing this maybe to the listeners as well, but it, it was it was Satan that was like, and guys, front yard talking smack about Job, right? In the Bible or something? Like <laughs> he was. Hold on. Yeah, he he was at the crib. Like he came he, to the cookout. He was invited. <laughs> like, what is that? The Book of yes. Job, chapter two. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Joe was, like, he was that dude. Like, special, special, right? Right. And then I I feel like, you know, I need to research the Bible again more, read it more, because I, I know in one breath, to my knowledge, I heard something about, like, in Africa or, say, in ancient days, the quote-unquote devil, it really don't exist, or he or she or it, whatever, it don't really exist within the same context of the West. Mm-hmm. All that to basically say, like, okay, so now we got God. God is love. And it's so, like... Uh, you on it, brother. I, I swear. <laughs> you are so close right now. I swear. If you hit this, I, I'm going to sit back. If you hit this out the park, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Go, go, go right there. I dare you. I dare you to go there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sit uh, back. I'm going to stop. We're going to see what happens. But love, like, you know, God is love. I like on some like unbothered type stuff. So you got the devil, which is like just the proverbial, the adversary of all humanity, basically, which I'll come to find it as basically somebody that's going to accuse you in a courtroom type setting. So you got the heavenly host up there with the almighty judge and the devil talking smack. So I'm just wondering, like, does God have unconditional love for the devil? Isn't that his creation? You feel me? Like, now, mind you, it's something to ponder on in terms of trying to feel out or deepen our understanding, overstand all those other words of understanding, comprehension of what love so and what, its vastness. What you're going to make me do is do a religion show. And if I do that, I, you, it's really you know, going is, is to be crazy. If I do that, then bro, my, my people going to be mad. My question's going to come. <laughs> my question's going to come. You know, I, I, I want it. I think we need that. But that whole point, too, is just also, I don't know if the word is to draw a deline- delineation between unconditional and inconsequential type of love, because consequences. So wait, because you're asking a lot. So let's just break this yeah. down into some pieces <laughs> bad, bad. Real, real quick. Bad. All right. I deal with the, the, the biblical Job piece secondary later. Bad. Let's just do this. All right. Satan is the unhealed trauma. <laughs> Satan is the unhealed trauma. Do you think my old Because understand, Satan, adversary. Adversary, mm-hmm. adversity. Mm-hmm. The adversity is internal. Krishnamurti, the enemy is you, not the other. Mm-hmm. You are. Who are you proving do, right? Do you see? <laughs> Wait, yes, stay sir. with me, Nazarene. Pardon, when pardon, we come pardon. forward, we're going back to the wetlands of Fallopia. we on fire tonight. Night, when the evening comes, I sit down to check my options. There are none.
fire tonight. It's the voice of reason with Zoe Williams exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. I know love is real. Because this man had to love somebody to sing like this. Boy, that boy was in love. Some men need lots of women. Oh, Lord, tell them. Break it down. If it's in, if it's in God's will, cosign. I know. Ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the vocal stylings of Lenny Williams. I believe that man was in love. I believe that man reached the highest level of consciousness in order to belt this out. Because <laughs> I love you. I love you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're talking about. Love. How real or rare is true love? And here's the sad part. All jokes aside, you can sing your heart out and execute that song the way that man executed that song and still not love your woman. <laughs> That's the gold part, right? You, you, you would think in order to find that inspiration to sing it like that, that you got, he could have been singing about his pet pit bull that he really loved. <laughs> his Rottweiler. I love that nobleman. It's, you don't know where the inspiration comes from, but the reality of it is love gets obscured through the filter of unhealed trauma. Now, we said something very powerful. Brother Nazarene from the wetlands of Atlanta. <laughs> you know yes, sir, yes, sir. That's what you named it, the wetlands of Atlanta. Brother Nazarene, man, Brother Nazarene <laughs> really laid that out when he talked about Job and the story of Job and having to go through the adversity of not having the covering of God. Now, mm-hmm. let me just, I don't believe God plays games to prove a point to his creation. Right. Satan is God's creation and God is sovereign and Satan is a servant to God. That's what I believe. And I don't believe sovereignty has to prove anything to the servant. So the whole story of, and again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also to them. Or, or uh, among them to present himself before the Lord. Now, and Satan came also. Stop playing with the words. You know, Satan is a son of God too. Let's it's, it's just stop. He's one of the well. He he was, and then he got kicked. That's his baby. That's the black sheep. That's the one who was tripping. But he's still a servant. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He's still a servant of God. Yeah. According to Isaiah forty-five seven. 
Nothing is outside mm-hmm. of the purview of God, not good nor evil. So everything is sanctioned by God, according to 45.7 Isaiah. Now, you don't have to prove nothing to the devil. You don't. But I posit, in alignment with our topic tonight, that the Satan we've all been taught about is really our internal struggles. And if you go back to the ancients, everything is about conquering the self. What is Freemasonry? Nothing but ancient Egyptology, ancient Egyptian spirituality. The pyramid represents the man, right? Or self. And every man is trying to be a speculative mason, so to speak, building what? Himself. <laughs> Do you see? Uh, and this and and in, into what? The pyramid. The pyramid is a perfect structure. Nobody could reproduce it. So you represent the pyramid. Well, they've turned that demonic now. That was that was self-work back in the day. There, there are operative masons and speculative masons. What is masonry built on? It's built on you becoming the mason, the master mason of yourself. <laughs> That's what it is. Now, if you don't do that, you still have the sukha, which is not sukha, the dukkha, Right. The dissatisfaction producing seeds called unhealed trauma, unrecognized trauma, unresolved trauma, unacknowledged trauma. All of that stuff is producing what the Buddhists call dukkha, dissatisfaction. What we are using today as what? What are we using today? We called it shadow. What else are we calling it today? Mm. We called it Satan. (laughs) the adversary the internal adversary do you see what i'm saying the internal adversary (laughs) that prevents you from from loving unconditionally this is why your love is selfish this is why your love is this ain't gonna happen to me again the next person i get gonna do these things and is that love How your man said, uh, I robot, like, now that is the right question. (laughs) (laughs) Recording terminated. (laughs) But nah, bro. When you uh, spoke to even the the pyramids and such, I think it all comes back down to perspective as well. Because, again, it comes back down to dimensions and who's viewing what. Like, you got to... A pyramid, if you're not looking at it from, I think it's just that fourth dimension aspect, you're just looking at a three-dimensional shape still symbolic of the trinity but in essence it's like really got four different sides to it that's foundation let's account for what's below the surface the shadow self account for those sides that equals eight there goes your power when you tap into all of that and you still erect as above so below wait it's just it's wait, so wait. many different ways let me jump into it real quick love could the shadow self be hell if you're going to stay there, 
if, if you're gonna if, be bound by <laughs> if we but I'm just saying if we're using these biblical archetypes, could the shadow mm-hmm. work or the shadow space be hell equivalent to mm-hmm. right and then those uh those those feelings of resentment how you say guilt what you're still holding on to and you know not letting go of not surrendering like those are your guardians those are those demons so to speak that are keeping you bound or tormenting you within that space those those memories of being hurt that they need to control what's beyond your control Looking you know, all those different things. You have your own internal demons on so many different levels. And to kind of wrap and slide, and I want to um, send love up to our, uh, our elder, Dr. Sabi, mm-hmm. flying piece of that brother. Um, I saw rare footage of him, and I've always really appreciated his perspective, like just, you know, how he expresses himself. But he said things like, I love the devil. But not to be taken wrong. Wait, huh? He goes further to say, yeah, <laughs> dig, dig, dig. Yes. So within context, um, it's like, I love the devil. Because everybody's so scared of him, this kind of third, they don't understand, like, without the devil, humanity really won't have any reason to get closer to God. So he's a spiritual, like, he's, he, he's so, serving. so he's a spiritual yeah. personal mm-hmm. trainer. <laughs> exactly. Y'all like uh, you know, like in that in that breath, and again, I don't want things to get misconstrued because I, I understand, and I'm looking to I'm looking forward to another show where we can go even further, just in this aspect of things, so to speak. But um, some things are like baby food in terms of um, considering things on the spiritual plane. But then there's like the more adult ready, you know, take kind of take the training wheels off when we get into some things. But uh. It's just like it. I look at it now as Satan or the devil, my internal darknesses and things like that. They're really God's wingman. Like we can invite those things. That's where it's just like we don't have to keep necessarily being afraid to address it, being afraid to stand before this entity or this energy, this memory, this pain. Even further, it's like Christ was on top of the mountain with the same devil alone. It didn't, it didn't say not. Nah, he he has the same words to say, get thee behind me, Satan, and stuff like that. You know, it's just, it didn't necessarily have to do it, but it's just the aspect. I think there's so much power when we look at things like that to see what can become when we invite this so-called enemy or this, I guess, this this thing that's out of place. Again, back to your, your other works as well, it's just but, but when you, you but, sit with certain feelings. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and just to make it more concise and condense it a bit, it just sounds right. like you're saying embrace the work. Hey. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I yeah, hear you. Yeah. It's like accept the work, you and know? Maybe that'll help unlock the, the keys to experience and unconditional love. You'd be able to be more aware of what's inside of you and coming through others or how to just rest within that aspect of things. I'm just hoping it all still, you know, makes sense to the callers, to listen to myself and everything. It still makes sense. I don't mean to get off topic, but again, just an extension of what unconditional love really looks like beyond even, I guess, what we 
come to imagine thus far. Like, let's yeah. just continue to stretch our minds, brother. So I, I appreciate you immensely. Thank you, brother. We appreciate your insight. You brought the wetlands of Atlanta into the building. Now Gardena is in the building. Kwame, when we come forward, brother Kwame, we going to speak to you, man. I can't wait to get you on the line. We on fire tonight. Is it good to you? Good to you. More Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams when we come forward. Come forward. Listen, you're not in a real conversation if everybody agrees. I need you to understand that. We have to have discord in order to have harmony. Right? You have to have different perspectives. And so many people, man, just... They just want to hear the way they say it. No, we are exploring this conversation. We're asking all of these questions... Agree or disagree, love is a divine attribute. It is an idea in the one mind. God is love, and love is God, or a quality in being. The difference between divine love and human love is that divine love is broad and unlimited a universal and harmonizing power. Human love is based on personality and is selfish, lawless, and fickle. I got to get somebody in here. Kwamel from Gardena. Get in here, brother. Yeah, man. You, you see me on the on the chat and like, forgetting how to pronounce joints. I'm like, come on, son. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. So uh, I wanted to go in a little bit. Um, it's out there, just like just like we love our babies. We we can we can we can we can love all the people that come into our lives. As the five percent say, love is the highest form of understanding. So it's a matter of the patience. We have the patience to understand someone, or or or, or are we? too selfish to tolerate anyone that's not fulfilling whatever thing uh, we, we feel we need uh, or require them to, to make happen. Mm. Am I, maybe, maybe I'm in the ballpark with that. I kind of want to stay away from the whole Christian angle of it, but uh, if, if, the, if the caring is there or if the desire to care is there, the, the love can be there, and, and that's and that's at any and that's at any age. Um, I think so many of us have screwed it up in our teens and twenties that suddenly we decide uh, there's no such thing in our thirties, forties, fifties, and that's just dead wrong. Right, straight up and down. It, it, it's dead. It's dead wrong because there's going to be somebody that if you get past the the lust or the need for them to have you know, X amount of money, there's going to be that enjoyment of company, that enjoyment of their, their being in your presence and being able to build with them on, on everything in the universe and experience everything in the universe with them and, and, and gain high appreciation for that. I'm with that. So that, that's always going to come. That's always, that's, that's always going to come. If you if if your mind or heart are open to it, yeah, I'm with that, brother. There's dope people every freaking way, including yeah. including your whole delegation. There's dope there's dope people that 
you'll you'll drink they'll you'll drink their bath water tonight whoa, whoa. if you're not married that's hey. a big old cheater hey, hey. <laughs> we appreciate the call man thank you for dropping jewels man gardena in the building because of you let me get another piece of joseph campbell i mean not joseph thomas campbell so let's imagine two sets of you know an experiment where we have two sets and we're going to see the difference between these two sets one is Let's say we have uh, you know, 100,000 individuated units of consciousness. People. And that'll be set one. And in this set, there will be a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of capability, a certain amount of space. And then we'll have another set that's a duplicate of that. The same amount of ability, capability, space, resources, everything's exactly the same in the second set except we're going to have two different attitudes in each one of these sets. Okay? In the first attitude, we are going to have a cooperative, caring attitude. Okay? In this set, if somebody invents something or comes up with a really good idea, we share it. They share it with everybody else. Oh, come on. If Listen, somebody is I want you guys about... to check out Thomas Campbell. I want you to check out his book, My Big Toe. It's a heavy read. Uh, like I said, he's a physicist, so it's it's not it's not lightweight. But I think you could extrapolate a lot of meaning out of it. And again, this this conversation was exploratory. I want us to explore love instead of being locked into, you know, generational expectations and ideas of what we think it is. Let's explore deeper and let's see. What comes out of that exploration? I'm Zoe Williams, the voice of reason. I want you guys to stay tuned for the replay of Ariva Martin and good brother Les Brown as Danny Morrison is out for the week. When we come forward, trust me, we still got a lot to talk about. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.